Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Mark's gospel, the way you speak to us and show us who Jesus is. Lord, help us to be followers of him. Amen. So it's the grand final, um, which may thrill some of you or may not others. Uh, people are wearing their colours, have you noticed? Um, I go for walks in our neighbourhood and I see it, there's a bulldog's flag in the window. Where did they get that from? I don't know. Why would, yeah, anyways. Closet Melbourne supporters have come out of nowhere. Wow, I didn't even know Melbourne had any supporters. So people really get into things, don't they? Uh, I can't speak negatively about that because I'm an AFL fan. Um, I'm exactly the same about my hobbies and passions. We're devoted to all sorts of things. No, you might be a grandparent or a parent. And grandparents, I think, can talk for hours about their grandchildren. They're really devoted to them. And I'm sure you can get out your phone right now and show us photos of the grandchildren, the first steps and all that sort of thing, what they can and can't do. It's a devotion to your grandchildren. Others might be into music or going to the gym or some other hobby which you really love. Something that sort of captured your heart and attention um, because that's what we're like all the time, isn't it? As we come to Mark's Gospel here, the question the passage asks us is, is our heart captured by, is our, is our affections devoted to, our, are our loves captured by Jesus? Are we devoted to him? Are we serving him? Are we following him as our king? Because the problem is, and it's very possible at times for us, that Jesus becomes sort of a side project for us as people. Uh, we can say things like, well, we won't say it, but we can think it and maybe act that way. We can say, I'm happy to follow you, Jesus, only if you don't really change my life. I'll follow you, Jesus, if my job is going well. Oh, if my career is tracking along nicely and I've got the promotion lined up, if I have enough savings in the bank account, I'll follow you, Jesus, if I have a plan for next year. So rather than Jesus and his mission sort of being our, our devotion, our, our capturing our hearts, we can sometimes fit Jesus in around what we think is most important into the corner parts of our lives. And so as we come to this really uh, confronting, I can say it is confronting passage, Jesus comes along and says, follow me. And that has huge implications for us and for our church. Jesus shows us here that he's a king. He's a king of the kingdom of God. And he is to be our ultimate meaning, our goal, our aim, and to have our full allegiance. And there's good news for us here, friends, so I've got a couple of points about following Jesus. The first one is the good news that Jesus is the king of the kingdom who calls us to believe. And the second, that he's a king who calls us to follow him. And not only that, but he works in and through us so that we can. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, firstly, we see that Jesus is the king who has good news for us to believe. Verse 14, let me read that again. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So the first words here on Jesus' lips in the Gospel of Mark are about the kingdom, about repenting and believing 
our response to the kingdom. Now, John the Baptist is off the scene now. Notice there he's put in prison. And Jesus starts his public ministry. What's his message? It's the gospel, the good news. Jesus preaches the gospel. Now, kids, maybe you can help me out. Does anyone know what the gospel is? What's the good news? Yep, Harriet? Listening to God, yeah? And Ned? No. Okay, well, the gospel, we're going to find out, sets Christianity apart from every other spirituality, worldview, religion you can find on the face of the earth. The author Timothy Keller writes that other religions come along and basically give you good advice. Other religions say, this is what you have to do to get closer to God, to find your way to God. Keep this law... Do this five times per day. Find strength within yourself to be fulfilled or find fulfilment. Christianity, on the other hand, says that salvation doesn't come from me. It comes from God, from what God has done. Jesus has come and achieved something that you can never achieve. He's lived and died for you, taking your burden of guilt, your burden of shame, and he's taken it to the cross so that we can know God. Only Christianity offers you good news, not advice. And that's what Jesus comes preaching here. Verse 15, the time has come. God's plan of salvation in Jesus is here. It is being fulfilled. So notice there what Jesus preaches. Verse 15, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, you might be wondering, what is the kingdom of God? What's the kingdom of God? Well, it's basically God's reign as king. God sovereignly reigns in his creation through his son, Jesus. God reigns through Jesus in his world. And so what we've got here right at the start of the Gospel of Mark is Jesus showing us why he's come. He's come at this very moment of salvation. The coming kingdom has been long promised and Jesus comes and he preaches about the kingdom. He'll go on to teach about the kingdom in parables. He'll go on and say what the kingdom is like in healings and casting out demons. And then he comes and overthrows the enemy kingdom, the kingdom of Satan. He ties up the strong man and he goes to the cross and rises again and establishes the kingdom of God. The kingdom has come in Jesus, friends, and the kingdom will come in all its fullness when he returns. So right here, right now, there is more to come. The kingdom's here, but there's more to come. Friends, God's kingdom is good news for us and for you because Jesus is king of the kingdom. And in his kingdom... What does he promise? What's the kingdom like? The kingdom's like, the kingdom that will come will be a place where there's no more Afghanistans. There will be no more 9-11s. There will be peace and justice. There will be joy and song forever. This world is put to rights and the curse undone and glory for eternity. How can this be? Because Jesus is king. And so if you want to be part of God's kingdom, how, do you, how are you to be part of God's kingdom? How do you come under his rule? 
Well, Jesus tells us here, it means a response, repentance and belief, faith. Because naturally, you see, we don't live as, with Jesus as our king. That's not what we're like. We don't live for him. We turn away from his loving rule. This is what the Bible calls sin. It's kind of a mutiny against the king. How do we come into the kingdom? Verse 15, repent and believe the good news. You know, you can do all sorts of Christian sort of things in your life. You can take groceries to the person who um, who can't get out anymore. You can have emotional experiences at church, the music, the songs. You can feel the love of Christian community. You can be involved in Christianity and Christian sort of things. But all that matters, friends, that doesn't matter at all. It has no meaning for eternity if you've never repented and put your trust in King Jesus. It's, it's worthless. All those benefits of the gospel are worthless if you've never come to the king. You see, the devilish deception that we believe is that everything is okay if we ignore Jesus, if we're not living for the king, if he's at the periphery of your life or a king that you only follow at certain times. Maybe Jesus is someone you used to follow. Maybe, he's, maybe you used to be into reading the Bible, but not anymore. Maybe you used to pray and think about God, but not so much anymore. Maybe Jesus is someone, if you're honest, is someone you used to be more into. Yeah, not so much anymore. But if you realise who Jesus is, he's the king of the kingdom, and he has good news offered to you today. He's offering hope for you personally. He's offering hope for this world then what do you do? You repent and believe. He's a king worth following. He's a king (coughs) worth counting the cost, giving up. But when you so give up, you find it's actually gain. Friends, there's a king in this world and it's not you or me. The king invites us to live under his kind and loving and good rule. So, friends, let's daily walk in repentance and faith. If there's a sin in your life, please repent. Please trust in Jesus. Please believe in your King. And let's do so helping each other as we go. For we live in a world where the enemy, Satan, is still prowling around And as Christians, we pray as Jesus himself teaches us. We pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So let's live as citizens of this kingdom in ways which honour our king. So this is kind of our first point. Jesus has this good news for us, good news of the kingdom. And now secondly, the scene changes, doesn't it? We see that Jesus calls for our allegiance and that he works in and through us for the growth of his kingdom. Verse 16, let me read. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I'll send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat 
with the hired men and followed him. So I put the Sea of Galilee on the map on your handouts. Uh, it's quite big, isn't it? So it's about 21 k's long, 13 k's wide. Uh, the Jordan River flows in the top end and flows out the bottom end. So imagine fishing villages on the shore. It's actually, I haven't been there. Has anyone been there? You've been there? What's it like? Beautiful? Yep. Did you collect any gravel from the seashore? You did, of course you did. <laughs> so it's a beautiful scene, it's idyllic. Um, it, it hasn't been built up, has it really, around the lake? Yeah, okay. So it's similar back then as it was, is today, almost. Um, so he comes up to, Jesus comes up to these couple of sets of brothers, and notice there they're in the fishing business. Now, Jesus has already met these people. We don't see it in Mark, we see it in John. But Andrew, for example, was a disciple of John the Baptist. And when Jesus was around them, he'd already spent time with them. So this encounter in verse 14 is after John is in prison. Now, kids, before we move on here, I wonder if you guys can draw someone, let me tell you, what, what, what do I want you to draw? Tell me. Fish, someone fishing. Can you draw someone fishing on a boat in the ocean? Or on maybe fly fishing on a river? That's more my cup of tea. Yeah. Okay. So these brothers, they're not some sort of weekend fluff chucker, like a fly fisherman or a, um, someone who gets out in the boat in Bridport. No, these, this is the business. This is family, serious stuff. This is the family trade. Their employees actually see there, verse 20, hired men. And really what stands out for the, in this scene here is just how ordinary and normal it is. It's just normal life going on. Um, they aren't special people Jesus comes up to. They're a lot like us. And Jesus comes up to these men, verse 17, and he says, come, follow me. Now, so the three points of application I want us to see here today, there are more, but I could, I could limit it at three. So, point one, um, when Jesus says, follow me, he's showing us the heart of what Christianity is about, what the Christian faith is actually about, and what is it about? Maybe the kids can help me. What is Christianity about? No? Ned, what's Christianity about? Starts with J. Jesus. That's right. Christianity is all about Jesus. And this is very important. Jesus doesn't come and say, I'll give you some rules to follow. He doesn't come and say, come follow me and you'll have a great community. No, he says, follow me. That's what he says. Follow me. At the heart of the Christian faith is Jesus. Now, you might love the benefits of Christianity, and we should, you know, community and, um, and a community of love. But are you loving Jesus? He is at the centre, at the heart of Christianity. Christians are disciples, are followers of Jesus. Now, second point. When Jesus says, follow me, he's, he's talking about total allegiance here. Because see the sense of urgency which uh, the disciples here respond, respond with? So verse 18, see at once they left their nets. 
verse 20, without delay, without delay. And they leave um, poor old Zebedee in the boat. (laughs) Immediately, they almost drop everything, literally, leave the family, leave the family business, which in a family-oriented culture, much more than we are here, this is a big deal. They walk away from their career. Can you imagine? Now, please realise that Jesus isn't against family or career. But what he's teaching us here is that he's to be one, number one. He's the one there to follow above all else. All other allegiances in our lives come after Jesus. Now, for these brothers back then, on that particular moment, it meant leaving their jobs and going out with King Jesus, his disciples, literally following Jesus and learning from him, being with him as his followers. They go back to being fishermen later, if you read it on in the Gospels. The fishing business keeps on going without them. Their family is still around, they pop in and out of the story. But at this very moment, they drop everything to follow Jesus. Now, how does that sound to you? He calls for total allegiance in our lives. Now you might say, I can't follow Jesus. What will my parents think? Or my friends, the people I love and hang out with, they might think I'm a loony. It may cost you a promotion at work because the boss doesn't like Christians. It may mean a number of things if you're a follower of Jesus, but Jesus says, follow me. I'm everything. I'm worthy of your whole life, your devotion, your allegiance. That's what being a follower of Jesus means. And this brings us to the third point I want us to notice here, that in verse 17, that Jesus, what he promises to his followers, and he says, come follow me, said Jesus, Jesus said, and I'll send you out to fish for people. You see, when we follow Jesus, he calls us to get into the fishing business, to get on the boat. He goes up to Simon and Andrew, James and John, and says to them, you're going out to fish for people now. And Jesus is going to teach them how to fish. Now, in the Old Testament, fishing for people was about judgment. But Jesus here flips the meaning on its head. He's saying, you're going to go out for fish for people from judgment. You're going to rescue them from God's wrath. And so the chief fisherman, Jesus... He's going to take these literal fishermen out to fish for other people who are lost and facing the wrath of God for their sin. Jesus is going to make them into people who cast out the nets of the good news of the kingdom of God. And how is is this going to happen? By God's work in them, by his work in these people, by by them watching Jesus and learning from Jesus as they go along, by hearing Jesus' teaching. Notice there, verse 17. In the original language, it sort of translates like this. I will make you become fishers of people. I will make you become fishers of people. The emphasis here is on what Jesus does for these people. Jesus' work in the disciples. Jesus is going to make them into something, going to make them into fishermen. And this is really important for us to realise because when we talk about evangelism, it, it, it kind of sends us spinning into a guilt trip sometimes. Is that for you? 
We haven't done enough of it. But this doesn't have to be the case. Not when we realise that what it says here is it's actually Jesus doing the work in and through us. He does the work. You know, we're not able to fish for people by ourselves. It doesn't come naturally to us. We don't know how to catch people. But Jesus does and he'll make you do it. He'll work in and through you. And you know what? Jesus actually did what he promised here. He actually worked through these, these blokes. Uh, what happened at the lake 2,000 years ago? He took these ordinary small business workers, normal people, and he worked in them, taught them, coached them, worked through them by his spirit. And this work is reverberating around the world ever since. They became fishers of people. They became messengers of the king. They cast the nets out of the good news of the kingdom and they brought people in. <coughs> and if we're believers here today, then we, we should be very thankful for this because someone at some point has cast a line to you. Isn't that right? Someone at some point has shared the gospel with you and through them, the Lord Jesus has said to you, come follow me, and you have responded. Come, know the good news of the kingdom. Praise God for that. And so, brothers and sisters, do you know that our church, praise God, that's right, our church and that we are called into the fishing business. Do you know that? Now, my problem is, and I, I've been thinking about this a lot this week, and my problem, I think, is a lack of confidence. Is this your problem with evangelism? I'm guessing it is. I think we need confidence that God, Jesus, really is king. We need to trust that he is sovereignly ruling over everything. You know, when Jesus took a walk along the lake that day, he goes up to normal people and he says, let's go fishing. And this is exactly how the kingdom grew, if you read the book of Acts. Ordinary, normal people. And it's how the kingdom continues to grow. We need to trust, we have confidence that Jesus is in charge of his kingdom. God calls people to know him. He's the saviour, not us. And he uses everyday people to do the fishing. So let's push the metaphor a little bit. Fishing requires patience. Have you been fishing before? Yeah. yeah. Have you caught anything? You have? Did it take a long time? Yep. Now I, I go trout fishing and I rarely catch trout. I, um, I'm not very good. But I love getting up there and watching the platypus and getting out in the bush and all that sort of thing. But Fishing requires patience. When we fish for people, we need to be patient. Often, often it's a slow one-by-one one, person here or there. But God does work. He does the work and people come in. Fishing also requires actually casting a line. Now, this is really convicting for me. I mean, these guys use nets, but you get the picture, right? 
You can't actually fish unless you go fishing. You won't catch a fish if you don't cast the line, right? You know, sometimes I wonder whether the reason we don't see many people become Christians is that we don't actually go fishing, right? I'm talking to myself here as much as anyone else. Now, sometimes people will walk into church here on a Sunday who don't know Jesus. Maybe something big has come up in their life and they want to ask some big questions. Let's pray they do. But more often than not, we need to go where the fish are. God has put us here in Hadsman for a reason. If Jesus is king, he knew that we'd end up in Hadsman, right? Now, come follow me, says Jesus, and I'll make you fish as a people. What does it mean for us to be here in Hadsman? How are we going to go fishing here? Please pray about this this week. Please think about this. Wouldn't it be great if every person here in Hadsburn heard about us? Knew that we're on about Jesus? Maybe they've read something about us? And even had the opportunity to talk to us? How do we do this? Well, please pray about it this week. Let me know. I've got ideas. But maybe it's getting involved in community events out here. Maybe it's inviting people to, to come to, say, the Christmas service or door knocking even for example you know christmas is coming up what an opportunity people love christmas and if we're called to be fishers of people let's make the use of christmas that god has given us we've got to get the good news of the kingdom out there we've got to think a little bit you know the invite can be as simple as a text message or a flyer but are there ways we can invite people to come and hear the gospel? There are many ways to fish, aren't there? You know, there are many ways to fish. When someone says, what did you get up to this weekend? It's a classic, right? What do you say? I went to church. Wow, that's an easy one, right? Caring for other people, that's another easy one. Sharing in your life, showing in your life in action that you're a believer and saying, I'm a believer, so I do this for you. That stands out to people. And in all this, prayer is really important. It's sometimes that we kind of say, oh yeah, we always pray, right, pray, yep. Tick. But prayer is the most important way to be a fisher person. Why? Because Jesus is king. So let's pray for opportunities for our church. Pray for that, you know, that friend you've got to know over time. If God is king, he's able to save because he saved us. He can save others as well. Lots of ways to cast a lion. Fishing can take time. It can, needs patience. A lion cast here or there. But we need to see this as a privilege, as exciting. The chief fisherman, Jesus, actually says, follow me and I'll make you to fish for people. What a joy and a privilege that is that we get to be part of this work that God is doing in this world. So please trust Jesus and trust his word and trust the Holy Spirit that he does the work. So today, what, what does it mean to follow Jesus? We've seen that Jesus is the king, he's king of the kingdom, and he calls us to repent and believe. And as citizens of the kingdom, we get we're called into his service. 
We're to learn, follow, grow, be disciples of our King and have our whole lives live for Him. And He gives us this amazing privilege to be called into the fishing business, not in our own strength, but His. You know, the Kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news.